All right, all right. Welcome back to the All In Podcast, uh, where we talk about what it means to be all in in all areas of your life. And we've got a very special guest today, Brandon Davis. Uh, we're going to talk, be talking about what it means to be all in on your life purpose. So Brandon is a CW3 Blackhawk pilot in the U.S. Army, stationed in Fort Campbell, not very far from here. Uh, he's been in the service for just short of 18 years. He's lived in Nashville for about 18 months. He started multiple businesses, including the Freedom Family Fighter, uh, Freedom Flyers Academy in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. That's the Freedom Flyers Academy. He currently runs Adrenaline Luxury Rentals. So that is the largest luxury and exotic car rental business in Tennessee. And he also works on his nonprofit, which we're going to talk about today, the Davis Focus Project. So it's called the Davis Focus Project. So, Brandon, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for, coming, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate so, it. Um, Shout out to Steve Afra, who is where we met. Uh, we've met a couple times. So our boy Steve out there, private money lender, and uh, Brandon and I met through him. And so tell us a little bit about your background, man. Those of us who, uh, those that don't know, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you became a pilot and all that. Yeah. So um, actually, my, my father was a Black Hawk pilot, and uh, wow. he, he started off as an air traffic controller. Him and uh, his best friend submitted their flight packets and, and went to flight school the, the third year of them being in the service. He served 20 years and uh, retired in 2004. Wow. And um, so I actually I joined the military as a, as a truck driver. And, um, I had actually been in quite a, quite a bit of trouble when I was a, a teenager and, uh, being a pilot in the beginning was, it wasn't the path. My path had to be much, much harder than that. So I kind of, you know, started at the bottom, rose to the ranks as an NCO, submitted my packet to go to flight school six times before I got picked up. But when I got picked up, the accession rate was less than 6% or less than it is in, in Harvard. And, um, yeah. And then I, I kind of just, you know, took off from there, but I, you know, I've grown up all over the United States, a little bit in, in Europe, uh, cause my dad was stationed all over the place. Mm -hmm. I got to spend some time in Hawaii, um, all, a lot of beautiful places. So did you think it wasn't going to happen? You know, you said mentioned six times. So what was the story with that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, well, I had, I had a color deficiency, and then I got a DUI when I was 16. Color deficiency. Yeah. So ability I, I, to see colors, like uh, color blindness in a way? No, I just get uh, confused on on some colors like red, brown. I got you. Or, or green, red. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I can still see them. It's never affected me on my military career. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I spent six months uh teaching myself how to trace the numbers on the Ishihara color vision test. Because mm -hmm. um, I could see the difference between the colors next to each other but the number didn't pop out to me like it does to everyone else. Yeah. So I spent six months, several hours a night figuring out how to trace it quickly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I finally passed that and then I started submitting my, my flight packet, but along the way, each time I, I didn't get picked up, you can do two boards in a row. I didn't get picked up. So I went to Embry Riddle for a year through, a, you know, yeah. a deployment. Uh, the second time I got all my pilot ratings on the civilian side while I was active duty. And, uh, the third time I, I had a, uh, an amazing CW five who, uh, wrote a letter for me for the last board because he couldn't believe everything that I had done to get picked up for flight school. Uh, so finally got picked up. He saw the, I guess, the effort. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wow. So memorable mission. Like what would be a, what's your most memorable mission or can, that you could talk about? Yeah. So there, there was a, a mission I did in, uh, in Iraq where, um, we got our, our pagers went off in the middle of our, our sleep cycle and it was what we call a time sensitive target. 
um, type of mission where we've got to be off the ground very quickly. And um, I was I was the what we call the packet control officer, which is kind of in charge of the planning cell, getting all the products ready, getting mm-hmm. you know getting everything ready for the the flight lead who's really in charge of the mission, and the air mission commander, and uh, kind of corralling everyone to to get ready to to launch. And um, so we get everything ready. We run out to the helicopters. I mean, I'm, I think people might have been in flip flops. Some some people, right. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we we crawl in the helicopters and we're getting ready to launch. And we get told to to stand down and wait for a little while. And we finally do wa- or, uh, launch. And um, you know, at, at first we just knew that it was troops in contact. And uh, later on, we we found out that you know we were going to recover bodies. And um, we were going into a a mountain range with um, intel that said that there were over 70 to 80 ISIS fighters on the side of the mountain. And um, I believe it was a five ship. I think we had three Blackhawks and two Chinooks, or it might have been five Blackhawks and two Chinooks. And... um, you know, I say it's the re- most memorable because it, it was kind of one of the the saddest missions that I was on. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, we all came, all the helicopter crews came home that day, and um, and sort of the ground force that we had, we had carrying on board. Um, and there, I, I just saw so many brave acts that night. Um, you know, everybody executed flawlessly our infill into the side of the mountain. You know, people were landing on one wheel. The ground force was jumping out, doing their thing. And, uh, just like the, the mission was flawless and it, and it was like, you know, that, uh, in that time of need, people just perform, you know, right. they execute and, um, Unfortunately, we we did uh, recover a couple um, a couple KIA, but uh, there were there were a lot of uh, a lot of people who who did a lot of brave things that day. Yeah. Thank you for your service. I mean, it's hard to. Thank you. It's really hard, I think, for those of us that are civilians to really, um, I guess, understand kind of what you guys go through. And we were just talking about it before. I mean, I just feel this extreme. Like Fort Campbell is not terribly far from here, but. And we hear you guys fly over, um, and just that we were talking about before the show. It's just this profound sense. I don't know if it's um, just safety or what, but I just feel like uh, like everything is okay when I hear the Blackhawks coming. So I hear them coming, and then they come right over you, and then they go, and then they're on their way to Fort Campbell, or maybe they're on their way somewhere else. But um, it's a great, it's a great feeling. I appreciate you guys very, very much. So, but. I know you want to talk about like your nonprofit, but you also, man, you're an entrepreneur. So you started a business uh, while you're in the military, um, in addition to being a pilot. So talk about that. Talk about your business um, yeah. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So my, my first business was uh, Freedom Flyers Academy in Hopkinsville. The Army had this tuition assistance program. Uh, you know, they were paying soldiers to go get their pilot ratings. Me and a friend saw an opportunity. I had done all my civilian flight training. I also went to the Army's fixed wing course. And it was, we were doing airplanes. We were uh, uh, instructing in airplanes. And my, my partner, um, he was a maintenance test pilot. So he had the maintenance side covered. We, you know, we started it. Um, it took a long time to get set 
setup. We we hit a lot of a lot of roadblocks and uh, found a backdoor into the into the program, so we could we could actually execute our uh, our business plan. Um, but ultimately, uh, COVID hit two weeks after we opened, and um, we were already vested. We were we were open. We had bought airplanes. We were we had hired instructors to move across the country, and. Um, Luckily, a lot of the soldiers were like, I'm, I'm still coming. I'm, I'm going to, you know, let's do this training. Uh, but unfortunately, due to manufacturing uh, shutting down, anytime airplanes broke, a lot of times parts would take a long time. We had one down for six months. We were st- still paying insurance, still paying mm-hmm. bills on it. And um, so in the end, uh, we, we all walked away with 60% of what we brought to the company three years later. Um, but I'll tell you what, that was the best entrepreneurial experience. It was it was an insanely complicated business with uh, so many um, so many different agencies and regulations that you have to to abide by. So yeah. um, it was it was it was a good place to cut your teeth, cut cut it on something hard. And now the car business is easy. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll talk about the car business because you've got um, you know luxury rental car business. But talk about a little bit more like. When you say it was valuable experience, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that you enter into this thing, um, get all this effort put forward, money, contributions to this thing, time, energy expended, hiring people, and then it doesn't work out because COVID comes and then you walk away with 60% of what you went into it with. However, looking back on it now, because at that time, I mean, that'd be really easy to just feel like, well, that was a complete failure. Yeah, but you you do you clearly don't feel that way because why? Yeah, because um, uh, all the lessons that I learned. I, I mean, I equated to paying tuition. You know, mm. that's that's what I did. I I, I paid tuition. Uh, the unfortunate part is that some of the investors also paid that tuition, mm. um, and they didn't they didn't get the experience. So I, I hate that for them. Um, and you know, now with, with my, my new businesses, I, I really try to protect any investors as I, as much as I can, you know, I had a lot of family invested in the, in the last business and it was all friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very, a very hard thing to go back to them and tell them that like, Hey, COVID handed it to us, right. you know? So, and it happens. Um, but that segued into the car rental business, uh, luxury car rentals. So tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, actually I had just gotten grounded. I couldn't fly anymore because of a, a medical condition and, um, I needed to make up money. I had a pretty, yeah. pretty huge bonus and, and flight pay. And, um, I actually had a lot of debt at the time, okay. which is almost gone now, uh, thanks to this business. But, um, yeah, so I, I started, I rented out one car on Turo and uh, I saw the profit margins and it was easy for me to do the beer math and see how I could scale it rapidly. I had a management program where I managed other people's airplanes in my flight school. It was a leaseback program. So I, I copy and, and pasted that into my, my car business. So out of my 31 cars, I own 17, another 14 or people to buy them and they get to make their car note and some extra cash on top of it. So they can buy their favorite, their favorite car that maybe they're not ready to uh, dish out the money for and it pays for itself. Nice. And um, yeah, so I, once I saw the profit margins, I bought as many cars as I could. I took a, a huge risk. It was kind of a, it was like, we're going to home run or, or we're, we're striking right. out here. Right. And uh, it, was, it was kind of my last chance to get out of debt and, uh, and I made it happen. And 
Um, we're, we're, we're doing amazing this year. I'm, I'm almost, almost completely debt free and I'll probably have a lot of money in the bank by the, the end of the year. And it's going to afford me the opportunity to do other investments. Right. So. so talk a little bit about, you mentioned the clients that, uh, come to you maybe within the program, the card. So talk a little bit about that. Like how can someone participate with you in that still? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can go to adrenaline luxury rentals.com. Uh, all our contact info is on there. I'm, uh, or you can email us at support at adrenalineluxuryrentals.com and um how would they plug in like what would be you mentioned like um they have a car they want to buy a car but they're not quite ready yet so talk like what's an example of that would you say yeah so I, i have a lot of people that that are very successful businessmen that they can afford a Ferrari, but they but they just don't want to give up any cash. They don't want to. Mm -hmm. They don't. They don't want to do that. But they but they make the money for mm -hmm. it. And uh, so th this is their opportunity to offset the the cost of ownership of an exotic or completely pay for it in some cases. And by having um, someone else pay for it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We we rent it out. You can you can call me and say, Hey, Brandon, I want my car uh, next weekend. We'll block it off. You come pick it up. If you want it for a month, you can take it for a month. So. Yeah. I think that's cool, man, because, I mean, I just don't think people realize. I mean, I think everybody thinks that you see somebody riding on the road in a Ferrari, you just assume, well, they just paid for it the normal way. Everybody's you know, le or leased, leased it, however, they either leased it or paid for it or whatever. And um, it's not the case. I mean, this is an example of entrepreneurialism, really, entrepreneur. how do you say it? Entre you know, entrepreneurship really filling a gap here and filling two needs. I mean, I don't know about a need for, for, a, for a luxury car, but like somebody wants to do that. You know, they desire to, you know, their place in their life where they want to have a luxury automobile, but they don't want to pay $350,000 or whatever for a car Yeah, uh, that's going to sit 23 hours out of the day or whatever. So, uh, and then somebody else gets to enjoy it, right? Yeah. And how do they know their car is not going to get trashed? Like, how does that work? Like, just, I'm just asking layman sort of yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah, so they're uh, if the cars are rented on Turo, Turo provides insurance for them. Mm -hmm. uh, there are cleaning fees, you know, if they get, if they get the cars dirty. Pretty much, when you hand your car over to me, it's going to come back in the the same shape, minus you know, basic wear and tear when mm -hmm. when you get the car back. I handle all the insurance claims. I have an in house mechanic uh, that gives me some pretty big discounts. So we we typically kind of break even on most of our insurance claims. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes sometimes guys, you know, they they uh, they do a little better than that. Um, but uh, you know, I, I've been I've been in business for about five years between the the, the two companies. Um, the most important thing to me in my business is my is my reputation mm. because that's how I get all the all, all of my clients. It's word of mouth. I have some people that have three cars with me. They love it. They tell other friends. They say, "Hey, it's cash flowing for all the properties that I own that aren't cash flowing right now." So it makes up. I can go buy another house if I'm going to lose two hundred a month on it because I'm cash flowing from, from this investment. So, mm -hmm. so, well, let's talk about the, the nonprofit. So, you know, this is where, talk about how you, this is how you really kind of determine like what your purpose was in life. That's what we want to talk about today. You know, what it means to be all in on your life purpose. So, um, now you're married, you got two, you, you got two girls, I am. 12 and seven, right? Yes. And so walk us through that. Like what was going on where you said, Hey, um, there's something, I want to do differently. Yeah. So, um, I, I was actually going through a very dark time in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, a very, very depressed state, uh, so bad. I wasn't sure that I was going to live through it. And, um, 
what was going on at the time is uh, I, I was I had actually started flight lead training, which is a, a, a train up that um, is, is very demanding um, of you in the unit. Um, I was running Freedom Flyers Academy. Mm-hmm. I, I had some marital problems. Um, you know, we we're on the road about 180 days a year. So that that kind of equated to, to some of that. I was pretty unhappy in my in my marriage. And um, I started I started drinking a lot. You know, it's kind of uh, it's like almost accepted in the military. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people do drink two glasses a night. And well, it led to me drinking six to ten a night mm-hmm. and uh, put me in, in in really bad shape, not to mention the chronic fatigue that I had stacking up because after my 14 hour duty day, I would go do, you know, three or four hours of Freedom Flyers Academy and then sleep three hours and uh, over mm-hmm. time it, it just stacked up and I, I broke right. I, I absolutely broke and what that um, look like that you um, want to share it, yeah <laughs> for somebody out there you know I mean there's not a there's not a whole lot you know my, my kids are going to see this yeah um, but you broke but yeah, yeah. I, I, I did I did break it. I mean, I was I was drinking every night. I wasn't with my kids being present. I right. was like on the back porch and in tears. My best friends would come over and they're like, What dude, what is going on? You've got to you've mm. gotta do something to change this. Like So friends were noticing they're getting involved. Oh, yeah. And then so then what happened? Yeah, um so after about six months of my my initial plan to get through it was to do more, more mm-hmm. quickly to get things off my plate. But in reality, that was the opposite of what I should have done is what I should have done is figured out what stressors in my life I could eliminate, not necessarily by doing, by finishing the task, but just saying this task is not a priority right now. Yeah. My, my mental health and my, my saying no. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And it, that was really, that was really it's a huge thing, man. Is it not? I mean, it's one of the, I mean, in coaching and high level coaching, I mean, one of the biggest tenements they talk about is learning to say no. Yeah. I I think that's one of the strongest qualities of a successful entrepreneur is the ability to understand what their limitations are and stay with within them. So they, because, because sometimes once you pass your, your limitations, it it has a lot of negative consequences. So really being aware of, uh, of how you operate and, and, um, and, and what you're, what you're good at and taking advantage of that is is super Mm -hmm. important. Yeah. And so talk about the Davis project a little bit like in center for human performance. Yeah. So after, you know, after six months, um, I, I decided that something had to change. And, uh, so the first thing that I did was I remember this time when I had trouble sleeping and I, I listened to this app called waking up. It was a guided meditation, but used to always put me to sleep, but I never really like paid attention to, to learn about it. And so I thought maybe I'll circle back and, and learn a little. And, uh, I did a deep dive. I read a ton of books. Um, I was listening to Joseph Goldstein lectures, which if you haven't heard him, he's, he is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I learned a ton about mindfulness and it's funny cause a lot of people in the military, they, they laugh about it. But, um, if you don't know what mindfulness is, I, I'm going to tell you because it's, it is powerful stuff. If, if you want to have true control over your mind and, uh, you, you want to achieve your, your, true potential it is it is powerful stuff and so um 
I, I, there's this quote by, uh, actually it's, it's by the Buddha, but Joseph Goldstein, uh, I was on one of his lectures and it goes like this. Um, it's in reference to meditation and, and what it is. And I think this kind of sums up some of the aspects of, uh, mindfulness to, to help people decide if it's, it's for them. But the quote goes, it's not about whether the thought ceases, but more importantly about whether the thought is skillful or unskillful, necessary or unnecessary appropriate or inappropriate. And what you can do with that. So a lot of people think that meditation is about not thinking, like ceasing all thought. Mm -hmm. But what this is saying is, no, it's more importantly about what you're thinking about. So if you have an unskillful, unnecessary or inappropriate thought, the goal is to transition to a positive one, to a skillful, Mm -hmm. necessary, appropriate, um, or to just not, not think about that thought anymore. It's time to move on because we've decided that it is, it is not, uh, it is not something positive for us. So, um, and I've got a program that I'm implementing into schools. That's a school focus project. But, um, so from there, I, uh, I really started to dive deep into uh, different treatments for, for mental health. And some of the things that I came across were neurofeedback, which my yeah. stepmom did for me. Um, I've done it. Highly recommend it. Yeah. It, it's and done it, probably 30 sessions. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's expensive, but it, it is mm-hmm. it is. I mean, there's a lot of science behind it. It's in Stanford in their neuroscience department. You know, tons of researches, um, but it, it is up and coming. And and the most amazing thing about it, um, especially for for my nonprofit, is that you don't have to talk about your problems. Mm-hmm. So it maps your brain. It compares it to a healthy brain. It, it determines what neural pathways are shut down or or communicating that shouldn't be, and on what frequencies it. it displays Pac-Man on a screen or something else and Pac-Man moves when you're thinking on the, on the correct, uh, correct pathways and on the right, right frequency. And so over time, those rewards, the reward of Pac-Man moving and the audio tone tells your brain that this is the correct thing that we want you to do. And so it helps repair those, those neural pathways. Um, the next thing I really dove deep into, uh, which Manuel got me into, um, over at, at Hive Nashville, yeah, Manuel De Monte. Yeah, um, yeah. So he he got me into ice baths, and and they were just so beneficial. Oh, I love um, yeah, you know, it boosts your immune system. Yeah. Uh, it increases dopamine yeah. levels, which is huge. I mean, that's the they the, say two and a half times. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, two and two point five times. Yeah, two point five x. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's huge. So um, I haven't got to do the the hot cold contrast, but we're gonna have irisauna therapy because I've seen a lot of research on that too. Mm-hmm. So we'll have the hot cold contrast in one room, um, and then we're gonna have sensory deprivation and vibroacoustic therapy. And over time, we're gonna build courseware on neuroscience with topics such as uh, you know how to cage your circadian rhythm yeah. and just like bare essentials that people miss out on that actually have a profound effect on their life, like not not sleeping was huge for me. I I would say that that if I could have eliminated that, maybe I wouldn't have been in my position at all. Even with the stress that I had, I was pretty good at handling it. But once you took away my sleep, I couldn't. Yeah. So, but so uh, through all of this, I mean, you're obviously thinking, okay, when did it click for you? Like, okay, I'm, I'm a mess. Like I have, like your friends are telling you, yeah, man, you got to do something. But then somehow you know, you did, how did you segue from that to like, okay, I want to help others, you know, was there, was that a long process? Like, did, or did you immediately say, okay. And what was the thing that clicked for you? Like, okay. That got you out of the, the darkness. 
Or what was the one, not click maybe even, but like, what was it that that you said, Hey, this is where I need to go. And then somewhere in there, it sounds like you decided, Hey, I want to, I want to help others. This, this, you know, I have to deal with this like I did. Yeah, I, I think, uh, well, that, that transition wasn't really there. There wasn't like a, a major pivot point. It, it was it was gradual over time. You know, I started seeing progress from the things that I was doing to, to help myself out. Um, but o- over time, I'd say over a year of, of, of practicing everything that I did, um, I, I realized that I was real. I had a natural talent at, uh, at learning and, and being able to um, to convey the knowledge in a way that people can, can understand very, very easily. And I, I spent years studying it. And, uh, so I felt that it was selfish of me if I didn't go share it because I have so many friends in need. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you about two specific, um, recently. So, um, I had a, I had a crew chief in my, in my last company, uh, that retired about a month and a half ago. And, um, about two weeks after that, about a month ago, he committed suicide. Mm. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, it was, uh, you know, it's those situations are, are, are so hard. You know, a lot of people, I have a lot of friends that ask themselves, you know, did I miss the signs, you know? And, um, and sometimes they're, there are simple things that people yeah. say, but it, it's just, it's, 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 it's really easy mm-hmm. to, to miss those signs. And, um, but that, you know, Roger is why I do this because I know that there's so many other people hurting out there. And with the military and first responders specifically, um, there's a stigma against going to get help. And if I would have went, mm. went to get help, I, I would have lost my flight pay, my bonus. Mm. And a lot of people are in those kinds of situations in the military, law enforcement. You know, they they don't want people to lose faith in them. You know, if wow. if your if your senior pilot is going to get mental health, you know, the, the rest of the crew is wondering what what's going on. Why mm. why is this guy getting help? That makes sense. Yeah, like is he okay to fly? Are we going to get killed? They're losing conf- perhaps losing confidence in their leader. Yeah, so that's a that's a major fear, and especially for me, I was about to be at the pinnacle of my career. I was about to be a flight lead, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I, I couldn't, I should have, I should have went and got help, but that's what this program is for is we're, we're creating a center for human performance. It is not a wellness clinic. This is not, you can get treatment here and these do treat several conditions that we listed earlier. Um, but it's, it's really to come here and perform at peak levels, both, both with your mind and, and physically. Um, and, and that's why we have, we have so many different, uh, protocols that we're implementing. It's just amazing the, the, the information that's out there. That's new information, like neurofeedback, like that you and I just didn't know about whatever, three or four or five years ago. And now all of a sudden, um, we've committed time, energy, money, funds, and now your life to, you know, that's a part of it, what you're doing. And so that's just one aspect, but it's just amazing. Those types of things that people just in general, just don't know about. Yeah. that that's available. I mean, like, you know, I go to Tennessee Neurofeedback over here in, um, in Brentwood and um, my wife is gone. My kids have gone. Um, it makes a difference. It really does. And the, the, the rewiring of your brain and, uh, you know, making new neuro pathways, that's just huge. I mean, I don't think people really realize it can be done. I think a lot of times people think that they're, 
they're too far gone or just they don't know. They don't have the information. You know, it's just so sad because it's almost like going to another country. They didn't, you know, um, you know, I think of the soldier, you know, what it was, Saving Private Ryan with somebody, they give them, they gave the, you know, they had just liberated uh, Belgium, or whatever, and they gave the kid a, a chocolate bar. He didn't know what chocolate was. Yeah. I mean, he gave him a Hershey bar. It blew his mind. I mean, there's chocolate. This, what is this? You know, and so it just like little things, like there's people don't know that exist that like can actually make a difference. I mean, I'm not saying a chocolate bar is going to do that, but like, you know, you're, you're going to have things out there in life that if you just keep searching, um, I mean, I think a lot of things are, I mean, we're in a broken world. I mean, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, there's, there's nothing perfect, but like, how can we, how can we have the, how can we be the best version of ourselves? It sounds so cliche, but it's kind of what we're talking about here. How can we be the best me, yeah. you know, that we can be? Yeah. And, and you know, if, <laughs> if you're looking for, for more reasons why all of this is important right now, um, I mean, there was just a, a school shooting here locally yeah. in, in Nashville and, you know, it, I don't think it's come out in the investigation what the, what the motive was, but you know, it's linked to something that that, that person was unable to handle mm -hmm. as a child going to that school. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think what, what if, the school focus project what would have been um, active back then and and kids were involved in mindfulness and had the tools yeah. to to um to overcome and to be resilient and um yeah i just i i think it's it's so important and for some reason we're missing it in school systems too right. you mentioned yeah. roger your friend uh, there was another example you wanted to share yeah um mike day he was a, a member of uh still team six um, I actually, I climbed Mount Rainier on a, uh, a, a nonprofit, uh, event and Mike, Mike Day was one of the participants. I was the help and I got lucky enough to summit with everyone as well. Wow. Um, at Camp Patriot was the, the nonprofit. They're an amazing organization. I, I know the, the founders, uh, um, Micah, uh, amazing guy. He's been helping me out a lot with this, but so Mike Day was shot 27 times in Afghanistan. And a year and a half later, I climbed Rainier with him. Well, I climbed with a hundred pounds on my on my back because we were carrying tents and, th and things for some of the guys who couldn't. But uh, Mike Day had a full ruck on the way up uh, uh, up the mountain. Ruck. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know what he had between probably what? probably between sixty and one hundred and twenty pounds in his in his rucksack. We climbed six thousand vertical feet, uh, six miles, and uh, I think he probably did it in about four hours, which blew my mind that a year and a half after being shot 27 times, you could do that. How do you survive getting shot 27 times? I don't, it's amazing. Strong will. That, wow. that, that is how guaranteed that the man had some strong will, but unfortunately eight days ago, he, he died mm. and he died because of suicide. Oh man. And it's just another man that was, that was taken from, from this planet too early. Yeah that you know um it's just sad yeah. it's it, it's sad and uh there's things that we can do about yeah. it you don't want to see that anymore no you want to be a difference maker how can people help how can people reach out to you um how can they help sponsor how can we help support um you know we talked about some of the things that people can do to reduce their stress but you know, talk about, you know, how do we reach you? How, how does the Davis Focus Project, um, how can we participate? 
Okay, absolutely. Um, so f- most importantly, please go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We are the Davis Focus Project on all all uh, media out, or uh, social media platforms, and our website is thedavisfocusproject.com. So please go mm-hmm. go like and uh, and share our page to, to all your comments, friends. By the way, guys, links are in the comments. And uh, and then next is donate. So when you go to our, our landing page, the davisfocusproject.com, um, there's a big red donate button at the top. We have a GoFundMe campaign. This is the beginning of our campaign. This this week has been the very beginning. I'm working with Ferrari to do a char- charity event later on this month or this uh, this year. Um, I'm working with First Community Mortgage, authentically American Apparel. We've mm-hmm. we've got a lot of people getting on board. Um, but there's not a whole lot of money in the in the bank yet, so uh, we do need your donations. Every dollar counts. It doesn't matter how much you have to give. You know, if you have a heart for soldiers or first responders, or you want your kids uh, to have the tools that they need to really succeed in life, you know, this is this is it. This is your your opportunity. Um, if you're a business owner and uh, you you want to talk about sponsorship or maybe something when we when we do the Ferrari charity event, uh, please get a hold of me. My um, my email is brandon at the davisfocusproject.com. Brandon at the davisfocusproject.com. So, guys, let's support him. Uh, let's support this. I mean, as you can hear, I mean, just in his voice, I'm losing a friend, two friends, two close confidants, um, two brothers, um, just within the last month and a half. And, uh, I mean, there's things that we can do. So, let's do those things. And I uh, appreciate you guys listening today. Brandon, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate Mark. you, man. Thank you for having me. And we'll we'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And um, as you can see, you know, sometimes going through darkness, um, really on the other side of that, you find your purpose in life. And uh, so keep fighting. Uh, We don't want to lose you. You're important. And uh, we'll see you next time. You just got to make it another day. That's right. Another day. See you guys.